Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Conversations with online strangers. We place ads online. Craigslist is definitely the gift that keeps on giving. Real people respond. You go to Singapore or Thailand. You can't not do it. The temptation is just too much. Real Does your friend know that you're banging her? No, he has no idea. And anything goes. Motto of the show, let your Greek flag fly. Probably the only good advice I'll ever give you is to rehide your whips and chains. Here are your hosts, Kathy Kay and Tommy. Hey, welcome to Stripping on the Podcast with Kathy. If you want to... Follow the show on Twitter. Follow the show at Strict Anonymous or follow me at Cartoon Therapy. If you want to be on the show, I'm always looking for people to call in. This is a call-in advice show. So if you're looking for advice, you have a problem, you need advice, or you have a secret life that you want to reveal while remaining anonymous, you could do so on my show. So send me an email at strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Um, that's really all I feel like pitching today. I'm on this intro, I'm much not in the mood. Uh, I'm just going to get right in and explain who I have on the call today. Today I have on Lance. Now Lance has called in before. I did a part one and a part two with Lance. Uh, I aired his part two first. This is really his part one. Um, Lance is a bisexual and he had a lot of bisexual tendencies when he was young. We get into all of that stuff. As He also is like very into dominatrix. Like He's looking to date a, a, a woman and uh he wants her to be a dominatrix because he's really into being humiliated sexually. But what we discuss a lot on this call, we discuss all that sex stuff, but I like wind up getting really heavily into his personal life as far as relationships are concerned. Because I think when I started to talk to him, I started to feel like maybe he has some commitment issues because he had never really had a relationship. So we talk a lot about that. So this podcast, besides it being about his younger years of like shoving things up his ass, <laughs> uh, it's a lot about relationships and commitment issues and that kind of thing. So I think it's interesting on that level. If you're looking to get like a boner and jerk off to you know, his bisexual side, you'd probably better off listening to the other podcast. This one, his focus is more on his relationships, whereas the other one focuses more on sex. That's why I did a part two with him because I realized after I, my first call that I didn't really talk enough about the sex stuff. And I know that most of my listeners love that shit. So anyway, um, it's still an interesting podcast, like I said, because I don't like to just talk about sex. I like to talk about everything and like this one is interesting because it's all about relationships and I think a lot of people will be able to relate so I'll be right back on with Lance do you have a story lifestyle or situation you can't talk about to anyone to anyone or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show well strictly anonymous wants to hear from you send us an email strictly anonymous podcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is strictly anonymous. Strictly anonymous. Hey Lance, welcome to a strictly anonymous podcast. You're Alma Kathy. How are you? I'm well, thank you. 
Cool. So Lance, I found you on Craigslist. And sometimes when I see ads like yours, I wonder if you're posting that you're kind of looking for advice, but really you're looking like to hook up because your, your ad was pretty simple. It was basically like you're kind of confused about your sexuality. You don't know whether you're gay or bi and you wanted someone to chat with. So sometimes when I see an ad like that, I'm like, oh, is this guy just kind of like, no, he's gay. And maybe just putting that out there, he gets guys to call him up and then they kind of hook up. Or was it really seriously an ad because you are genuinely confused? Uh, You are half correct. My intention is not to hook up nor to hook up with a guy. My intention is, uh, but it's also not just for chat. I'm looking for some resonance. And if anything, I'm looking for a female, not males. Oh, really? Um, to hook up with or just yeah. for advice? Not to hook up with. I'm not interested in hooking up. I want, I think it starts as advice. Mm-hmm. Who's going to give me advice but somebody who can resonate with where I'm at? And ideally, maybe they've gone through something similar or they dated a guy like me. And then um, if the dialogue is strong mm-hmm. and, and there's a connection, then maybe you know, it can sometimes result in a, in a connection that is romantic, a date. Right. But I, I'm make no mistake, I'm not looking to hook up. I just don't get anything out of that at this age. You don't get out of like hooking up like you don't get anything out of hooking up with either a man or a woman or you're just not looking for that kind of like meaningless thing is what you said when you're like I don't get anything out of it. What do you mean by that? The 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 latter. I mean I, I can I'd rather just get off by myself. So hooking right. up uh huh. Like, valuable. right. Random hookups with total strangers isn't what you're into. If you're going to do something with no. someone, eventually you're going to have a relationship. So, how old are you first, Lance? Let's start with that. I am 44. You're 44, right? Okay. So, is it like just recently that you're sort of questioning your sexuality? Or is it. No. No? No, I've been. Um, it's, it's, let's call it a passive questioning. It's not like in the forefront of my mind, but it's. I have never, I've, since I was a child, since five or six, I've never fit into the norms of, of the sexual spectrum. And what does that mean? Like, so, but, because I think, and I'm sure you've heard this before, because a lot of people buy into it, and I think more people are sort of coming to the conclusion that they're bisexual, that, you know, most people fall under the, in the middle of the spectrum, right? If you have homosexual on one end and totally heterosexual on the other end, a lot of people have different variations or, you know, fall within that sort of spectrum. Like maybe they're 80% hetero, 20% bi or whatever, but there's different sort of degrees of it. Is that what you're talking about when you say the spectrum? In a way, um, there's a fluidity to it with me that I, more like a seesaw, I, I seem to fluctuate depending on what's going on in my life. And it's not just, the word bisexual doesn't necessarily apply because there's certain things I desire from men that I, and I don't, and I absolutely don't desire other things and certain things I desire from women. And I, um, so what are those things? Like, Like, give me an example. Yeah. So with a woman, for example, I would be, I could be romantically attracted to a woman, emotionally attracted to a woman. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to have that experience with a man. Mm -hmm. Um, but I use the identity of bisexual because it does explain that in terms of genitals, they're equally attractive to me. Yeah, that totally to me is the difference between someone who's bi and the difference between someone who's gay. The person who's gay, I believe, forms an emotional attachment. I mean, this is just what I think, right? And I'm like, I always say I give unprofessional advice, you know, but I think the person who's gay forms an emotional attraction as well to the person of the opposite sex, as opposed to bisexual people who may be sexually attracted to members of the same sex and the opposite sex, but they don't, but their emotional attraction, right? They feel romantic more towards someone 
someone of the opposite sex and they would never have a romantic feeling for someone of the same sex, right? That's what I would think the difference is. I don't know. Do you think? I think that would be your definition. I don't think that would be the standard definition. No? I think, no. I think people who are in the middle, like on the Kinsey scale, would, would have, if you're right in the middle, I think you would have an emotional connection. You'd have the ability to be romantically attracted to either. Right. Mm-hmm. And depending yes. on where you fell, you might be more emotionally drawn to men, but sexually to both. Right. Or more emotionally drawn to women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that so makes I sense. I think it can go either way. Right. So maybe people that so, are more like 90-10, you know, that's yes. why they can't have the emotional thing because they're more, you know, like if you, were ha- if you had to compare your sort of interests sexually with a woman and a man's genitals, like you say, you have an attraction to both. Is it sort of equal depending on like your day and the flavor of the week or whatever? Or, or do you feel like more attracted to one or the other? Um, it depends. It just fluctuates. I, we, the, the default answer is always women first, uh-huh. but um, quite often there's quite often I only want to have sex with a guy. I mean, I had no interest in women sexually at times, but mm-hmm. not emotionally interested in men. Still, never emotional interest. In never. Men. Now, let's, let me ask you this because you felt this way ever since you're very little and you're 44 years old. A, have like you ever been yeah. married or did you ever have any long term relationships? Like, what's your deal, sort of like you know, just relationship wise history? Very good question. So. Now we're gonna. This is why I'm posting ads in Craigslist because mm-hmm. you're actually getting to the to the meat of it. It's, mm-hmm. it's not just that 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 there's another dimension, which is if I were just bisexual, that wouldn't be an issue for me. Mm-hmm. Since I was a child, I I didn't know words like gay and bisexual when I was a child. I didn't even know what, how to have sex. Mm-hmm. But my sexual nature, my first inclinations um, as a sexual being before I was even exposed to sexuality were that of wanting to be disciplined by a woman, mm-hmm. um, hurt, uh, humiliated, urine. Mostly it was, I wanted to be pissed on and spanked mm-hmm. by a woman. Mm-hmm. And, and this is from like first, as early memory as possible is what you're saying, right? Five years, I think five years old was the first time I started feeling that way. I remember mm-hmm. I had this little, I'll like spare you the story, but yes, first time. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I thought. I didn't know if somebody said, sex i didn't know what that meant but i knew i had these feelings in my body where i wanted like to be spanked or humiliated in front of a class full of girls and stripped and whatever it was you could have said i was born to like have a dominatrix as a girlfriend right um mm-hmm. and in fact if you're you're old enough to remember the movie mm-hmm. eating raul do you remember mm-hmm. that movie totally yeah where they killed the, the guy they time. ate him at the i mean it was yeah, like the big soup right they made the big soup but <laughs> yeah but the movie depicted a dominatrix. And I had never seen one before and I was seven or eight years old, whatever. And I was like, that's, I knew inside that's what was for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew inside something went, something clicked and I knew, yes, they were exaggerating the role, but I thought that's what I need to be with. Right. Finally, you and, could put like sort of a name to that feeling that you've had since you were five. Yes. Well, th- though that movie didn't give me the lexicon. I didn't get that till I went to university and mm-hmm. I was very sexually confused and I would just sit in the library and read sexual deviant books mm-hmm. uh, from a <laughs> right. psychological perspective, right. not, not right. novels. I hear you. Uh-huh. Um, and I would be, oh, so that's what they call this. Oh, that's what I like. Okay. Right. And that opened it up. But because you had all the other... these sexual deviant sort of feelings or behaviors or... Yeah, mm-hmm. and I would let's use deviance statistically. Like they were just yes. not the norm. Totally not morally. Morally, mm-hmm. you know. But and in addition, I didn't know that my cock was the sexual organ that was uh, that I was supposed to be focused on. I thought it was my ass from a very young age. Just my natural, mm-hmm. like self discovery. Mm-hmm. I was, I was 
I was playing with my ass from like age five until oh, so I read in, yeah, un, until I read in a magazine about um, how like what the cock did. I was reading like a penthouse forum and, uh, and first time I was exposed to porn, I realized, oh, I'm supposed to be doing that. Off, right. And then you did that and that was really great too, but you had always no. found it. No. I mean, I didn't, it took me, I didn't, I was driving a car before I knew how to masturbate my cock, but I was wow. penetrating myself with homemade dildos from that I way long before that from age like six, five. I mean, I was making phalluses and penetrating myself and I didn't know how to orgasm. I was just doing it. It felt good. But it felt good. But you did you didn't you see like your penis getting harder and like you didn't even know naturally like what to do to sort of relieve it because wasn't it painful on a certain level or no? It was, I would get very aroused, and no, I did not know naturally how to relieve it. I learned that from a magazine right, it, interesting. when I was 16, and mm -hmm. then I was like, oh my God, that's what everybody's talking about. <laughs> that's a really late age at 16, you know, like seriously, like, because I mean, you could read a long time before that, right? Or, I, I mean, but you know, you grew up in the same time I did where there wasn't like porn readily available and there was no internet, right? So, you know, right. maybe it makes sense, but I just feel like that is a very late age now with all of your reading and stuff because you were looking at stuff from like a psychological point of view did you ever sort of read or figure out why you think maybe it took so long or what would be the reason why you had those experiences and were sort of delayed with like you know the jerking off you know pleasure aspect of your sexuality as well, opposed i would be i mean i'm going to take an intellectual answer to that mm -hmm. i'm not sure i was delayed i mean i think it was just the way my development happened i don't think it was an unusual thing i'm not sure it was like any kind of arrested development in that sense right totally um because you know we aren't we didn't grow up with the internet we didn't right. learn porn you know we learned we, we had two porns hustler well three playboy penthouse right. and hustler and, and that's how you know lots of people our age found things out or we totally. heard it so, you know what it and, is? I was just and, really slutty when I was younger, and I was already having sex when I was fifteen. So I, t <laughs> so I'm thinking you're, you're so late in the game. You know what I mean? But like, I yeah. was like, you know, I was like, I wanted to get on it as far as sex was concerned. So I tried everything very early. So I, you know, well, so if you look at the calculus of who I was, I couldn't. Why? Because my first instincts with women weren't to put my dick in them. So right. I wouldn't think. Like, even when I, girls would be attracted to me and I would like them back, but I was like, I, what do you, I didn't ever think of making further moves sexually because I wouldn't, my natural thing was I, I would be the guy bending over. Like that, if I listened to my body, I should be the one taking it, not them. Right, totally. But I mean, you never, like, I don't know, because I'm not a guy and I have to ask my guy friends this, but like, you never like had like, by accident, because like, I literally found out that my clit could be stimulated by accident at a very, very young age like somehow a pencil like wound up down there and then I moved it around and I was like holy fucking shit you know and that's like and that happened at a very young age by accident and I feel like maybe that happens to guys too like you rub your dick up against like your pillow and you're like ooh, that feels really good you know what I mean like on, on sometime before 16 is that does that happen with guys or no I don't know well, well, I, I, as a, as the representative of all men, this moment, <laughs> I would say it does happen. I think it does happen to guys, and it did happen to me. But I, I didn't go from that to that stroking motion. I had no idea the repetitive stroking motion would be pleasurable. No interesting. idea. Okay, and that's interesting to me. But okay, so go on. I don't want to get stuck on that. Like, who cares? Like, there's so many oh, more yeah, fascinating well, things to this. So, <laughs> yeah, if you. 
think about the my not where I am today at 44, and no, I have not had significantly long-term relationships. Um, and I would think, I would say, I've never been married. I think that I've always struggled because my sexual profile doesn't. It doesn't just. It doesn't match up with the women who who are attracted to me. Mm-hmm. I tend to attract very submissive women because um, I'm very dominant in life. But but yet you're um, looking for the dominatrix woman, right? In bed, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't want to be dominated in life, but sexually, I okay. So when I around the time I was thirty, I started to develop more of a heterosexual. Um, kind of approach. I learned it. I taught myself it later. Like, how do you pick up a girl? How do you make a move? How do you do it? You know, uh-huh. is this even enjoyable? And then I did. I start. I do. I can find pleasure in like fucking a pussy. Right. Um, it's it's great if there's an emotional connection. I have no interest if there's no emotional connection. Like, absolutely don't want to do it. Okay, interesting. Um, That's interesting too from a male perspective, right? Because most guys are wired differently than that. But yeah, not everyone's the same. I mean, that's what that's why I do my show because yeah. I love talking. People that's why you do your show. Yeah, fucking an ass, totally great game with a girl. I don't. That's I can I can get turned on by that, whether I'm emotionally attracted or not. As long as I'm attracted to her, I can fuck a girl's ass. Inter- okay, but wait, can you? What do you say about fucking the girl's ass if there's no emotional connection? If there's no emotional connection, I don't want to be like I don't want to fuck a girl's pussy. It doesn't do anything for me. Totally, but fucking her ass, it does. Yeah, like if I'm just going to hook up with a girl that I don't know that well, for me, the only way to really get off is I'm going to fuck her ass. Do you think maybe, and listen, like I say on my show always, I give unprofessional advice. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I just like to analyze things from just a layman's point of view, right? So, you know, forgive me if my questions sound ridiculous, but like, do you think maybe because you trained yourself like so much, you know, because listen, I I know that I'm a three input girl. I know the difference between going inside a pussy and going inside an ass. Like, I mean, inside an ass, your dick is like totally encased and totally squeezed, right? All the way up the shaft, all the way down the shaft. Inside the vag, I mean, it's like, there's one part that squeezes and the rest is there's a big gaping hole inside, right? So there's nothing sort of there gripping your dick, right? So do you think that maybe because you had such, you were so into anal and that's always what you were sort of fantasizing about and what you were sort of into, like you you just got hooked into that being more pleasurable because that's just how you sort of came about with your sexuality. And so that's why it's yeah. more, you know, stimulating. In response, the, the first part of what you're saying is not necessarily connected to the second part. The physical sensation of the ass, yeah, it can feel better, but actually the ass loosens up after a few minutes far beyond the vagina. So mm-hmm. I, I think the physical argument doesn't quite hold. For me, it's, but it, the second part of what you said I can connect with. It is the emotional connection I have from knowing what it feels like to, to be penetrated that it, anally. I have a very a much more emotional connection to it. It's very, very personal, and I that gets me off. Like right. it gets me off to receive it. It gets me off to give it. Mm-hmm. What were you making in your house? Like, you're, I'm assuming your parents never sort of caught wind of this, or do you have brothers or sisters? Like, I mean, I, I'm like well, this was obviously a private act of yours. What would you use to like, you know, to fuck your ass when you were like six years old? Good news. Strictly Anonymous Podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. That's strictlyanonymouspodcast 
at gmail.com or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com and click on be on the show. If you have a short confession that you want to get off your back, call my confessions hotline 347-420-3579. That's 347-420-3579. You could call that number 24-7. I change all the voices on the confessions too. So you remain anonymous. The number the website, and the email address will all be in the description. I, okay, well, my parents did catch me once. Mm-hmm. I was three years old, actually, the first time, and I there was a little reflector that had broken off my light, uh, my bicycle, a, a rear reflector. And I thought it would be really funny if I took that little reflector from my bike mm-hmm. and put it in my butt and ran around naked. And I... <laughs> And I I didn't just see it as a comedic act. I also thought it felt good. Mm -hmm. So I stuck it in my rectum and -hmm. ran around naked while we were getting ready for the bath. My parents flipped out. They recognized there was greater implications to that act. And I I was like, why why wouldn't everybody want to do that? I didn't understand. Right. You're three years Um, old. Three years old. From that point on, I tried to hide my interest in that part of my body. Um, right, because you were shamed. So I mean, I, or you right? Uh, some somebody told you you didn't think anything wrong of it, but they made you feel wrong of it. So, so then you started to do it privately. Correct. I started to do it privately, and it started when, from a young age, I thought, "Is this making me gay?" Because I, but I wouldn't fantasize about a man fucking me. I did later, like around the age of eighteen, I started thinking a man was doing it when I would penetrate myself. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but if I were ever to envision the guy's face fantasy over like it had to be like it just a, a tool like a body right right um, i couldn't yeah i couldn't really be a real human mm-hmm. um, and the, well i was 37 the first time i actually decided why don't i actually try a real dick yeah first i was going to ask you when did you lose your virginity with a woman and when did you lose your virginity with a guy with a woman age 20 okay and um, there's a little context to that too, in terms of how I get to where I am, which is I'm very struggling and confused. And right, the tell, woman me, tell me about told that. Me yeah, she was much older than me, mm-hmm. and I was young, and I was very inexperienced with girls. Like I had dated, I had attracted many, and I was—you would never know I was inexperienced because I had all this game, I had confidence. But um, so she had sex with me the first time, and, I, and she was really not into it. She just laid there, and she was like, "See, this is what it's like. Are you, is it good for you?" <laughs> Like, How old was, was like she? A, Wait, you said she was a lot older than she you. She was 27. Okay, was 20. you were 20. Okay, cool. So she's just laying there and like a dead I fish. And I was like, immediately I lost my erection. And she she followed it up with, oh, that's okay. A lot of guys are impotent. So I went, I didn't know what that meant. I looked it up. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm impotent. She's like, yeah, you're probably just a lot, you know, you, um, you're probably sex. What did she say? She said, well, most girls don't really like sex uh, penetration. They want oral sex. So... And that just flicked a switch in my head, and I was like, oh, well, this isn't, girls don't even like this anyway, so why am I bothering trying to get in that thing when they don't even want it? Mm-hmm. Um, and she she kind of turned me into more of a sexual, more, she kind of, you said, she pushed the buttons that, that triggered my desire to be dominated and humiliated sexually, because she, with it, like two months into our sexual relationship, she would say she wouldn't want to fuck penetration, she would just asked me to eat her out. And then when I would eat her out, I, it's at the beginning, I would start to jerk off. And eventually she was like, you might not doing that in here. She said, what? You like, can't do that in here. 
Correct. After I would get her off, she didn't really want me jerking off next to her because she was like, it takes you a while. Why don't you go in the bathroom and do that? <laughs> so she, she was shaming me sexually right. without realizing it and suddenly making or my orgasm, like not part of my sexuality. So, right. And, but she was um, building those connections because you're sort of aroused yeah. at that point, And now you're, that's yep. like, you're, that's creating that sort of thing in your head. And now you're, that's connected Correct. shame and, and pleasure. That was, I, d- I dated two girls like that who kind of did the same thing to me. And, um, I, I attracted it to myself. Yeah. Another one yeah. around my age, it, even I used to, our whole relationship was, it's even, it's wacky. This is during college. I would, give her oral sex, get her off. And she had a actually a real boyfriend. I was the guy who would eat her out. And then oftentimes you were her, bitch. I would eat her out. I would leave and her boyfriend would come in and fuck her right after I left. Wow. He knew I was her buddy. He didn't realize we were, what we were doing, but she cuckolded me in a way you mm-hmm, could, totally. I was, I was that guy. And sometimes I would be there afterwards. I never like ate, I never ate her pussy and tasted his cum that I know of, but, I was placed in that position emotionally. Right. But you Um, said very early on in this call that you, from a very young age, you know, sort of felt that shameful sex was interesting to you. That's what you felt was a turn on, right? Very young. What what, what sex was interesting? Shame, like shaming. Yes. Right? So don't you think that maybe it's not that they did that connection that on, because I believe that we draw to us like what we're interested in, right? So we could smell that shit from a mile away, right? So, you know, I was like an unrequited love person. Like I was fucked up with relationships. So I'd always, you know, it's like the reason why people attract unavailable people to them if they're subconsciously unavailable. Like if you're subconsciously attracted to these shameful positions, you're going to attract people that are going to shame you, right? So like, do you really think it's her that made you that way or you were that way so that's why you attracted women that would give you exactly what you were looking for at no point in what i've said would i ever intend to claim that it was somebody else doing this to me meaning their fault right. yes they did things to me but i i grabbed all of it i wasn't consciously attracting it totally, but, but we sub- yeah we do that's totally. like with that shit rules our life i mean oh, i went yeah. totally. i recently did like co- uh not cognitive therapy um What's that shit called? It's really expensive. Landmark. Real. Oh, it's psycho and psychoanalytical. That's the kind of. Um, uh, oh. Yeah. It's, well, I see a psychoanalyst now. You do. It's fucking hard. If if she's a good one or he's a good one, it will work, and it can um, really change. It just takes a while. Yeah. So, the the thing in response, I don't disagree with anything you're saying, mm-hmm. but what is it I'm rewiring? You know. Meaning, this is who I now am. This is my identity. I'm not changing it because I'm not sure there's a problem with it. I just know that the, the problem shows up because I struggle to find, not make connections, I struggle to find compatibility. Right. And that's, it's now not is, that you, I hate myself, I'm not ashamed, I, mean, I get who I am sexually. I just, I can't. Okay, but why haven't you been able to? Because I really believe that there's someone out there for everyone. And I talk to a lot of people on my podcast and a lot, I mean, 200. And But there's gazillions of people out there. And I find people all the time on my podcast that are into crazy things, totally things that are very out of the box. So to me, what I believe, if you were really open to a relationship and really felt okay about your sexuality, you would draw to yourself someone who is into exactly what you are. There's plenty of women out there that would pee on you and boss you around and fall in love with you at the same time. There are women out there that you could find, I'm sure, that are into what you're into. I just don't understand why you haven't found one. You and me. Um, So I've met many women like that, 
but mm-hmm. we've just not been compatible in other parts of our lives because outside of the bedroom, that, that community, and I'm not, I'm, I'm going to draw a generalization. Sure. It's not, I generalize all the time. I've generalized 80 times on this podcast already. (laughs) It's not universal, but I would say many of the people who are drawn into that, particularly women, are are already sort of eschewing a conventional um, relationship. And for women to get there and show up on, say, the dating sites where you meet people like that, like FetLife, um, they don't, they don't most of them don't align with my other life stuff. Like outside of this, I'm a very, con- not conventional, but uh, I'm an intellectual and I like, I, I stay very, very fit. The kink community is notoriously not fit at all. Um, I don't, you know, I'm not all inked up. The kink community inked up, holes in their bodies. Like I, I have a white collar job. I'm very successful at it. Um, I live a very, like, my public life is so, so drastic. It's a dichotomy for my personal life. And you don't tend to find that as much in the kink community. You find a lot more live and let live, which is great at a sexual level, but I don't like, kind of live that way in my public life. Right, I get it. Like, you're, you're, I believe everyone's, like, made up of, like, a concoction. And people that are more individuals and just more of who they are are a little bit more complicated. I think that's more real, you know, and they don't yeah. buy into, like, whatever the book, you know, says they should be, you know. But a lot of people do, right? So a lot of people fit into those categories and those generalizations because they feel like they have to to be accepted, right? Yeah. But people that don't, real people that are just who they are, don't make sense. Like, they have total opposing parts of their personalities and they're different kind of concoctions. And it does make it... I think it does, it is harder for that person to find somebody else who's compatible because the majority of people have bought into like whoever they want to be and they do follow the rules and they are kind of like, you know, they make more sense, right? So it, it, mm-hmm. I get it. But, you know, I do believe you have to believe that there's somebody out there for you. Yeah, you there know? might be. Yeah, I, I, I don't believe there's be. not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, where I, when I say I've given up, I meant I've given up trying to reorient what I am and who I am. And I'm not giving up the idea that I could really find love. I'm not, I'm not giving up on that. Um, but, but so, yeah, psychoanalysis is not about, I mean, my psychoanalysis wasn't about sort of changing who I was so I could attract a relationship. It was just about it, it, learning to believe that I deserved it, you know, and working right. on that part of myself. It wasn't about changing who I was. It was about being more accepting of who I was and realizing that I deserve what everyone else had, you know, and that's really what it was about. So that's what so, it would be for you as far as rewiring your subconscious. There's something, there could be something, some story, some sort of thing that you bought into at a very young age that's keeping you from what you ultimately want. And it's not because of your sexuality or or any of that. It could just be like some sort of like story you're telling yourself. It could be like a non-deserving yeah. thing. You don't know. It could be. There is a there is a belief element that you have that I don't have, which mm-hmm. is, well, at least you're, you're, you're demonstrating that you have it. I'm totally. not sure you have yeah. it or not. But if... If you're not getting what you want in your life, I think you are making you're you're making the assumption or you're arriving at what is probably a reasonable mm-hmm. belief that maybe the things I'm attracting to myself aren't really in alignment and you know, therefore maybe psychoanalysis might help me. I'm putting something out there. And I would say totally. my life today is 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 it's possibly evidence of of misconfigurations in my mind or in my psyche and it's also possibly that this is just a life i chose at some other level beyond where i even was incarnated i think i don't i'm not so in other words 
if you, if I'm not getting what I want out of life, I don't take that as evidence that that there's a necessity for some psychoanalysis. Even though I'm in psychotherapy, by the way, mm-hmm. um, but it, <laughs> right. because I also don't have a billion dollars, and I really want so that. expensive. I know. And, yeah. So is that evidence that I, my my relationship to money is all effed up? I don't know. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I don't know that that's a, just looking at the results of one's life is not evidence enough to draw a lot of conclusions. It's no, I know, it's I do, but I do believe, like with relationships, because there are so many people out there, I, and what I've seen for myself, you know, um, because I've had relationships issues and I've kept people at distance and I've sort of copped to sort of reasons for it and been like, you know, I could name a lot of logical reasons why I've never been married or didn't have many long-term relationships. But, you know, basically I know for myself when I really, really 100% for a fact wanted a relationship, which I could count on three fingers, you know, how many times that was in my life, actually, that I was 100% like, I really fucking want somebody in my life. I absolutely had somebody in my life. And most of the time, there was so many other feelings going on. Like, yeah, I really want someone, but, you know what I mean? But, you know, and that kind of a thing. So I do think intention plays a lot in what shows up in your life. Absolutely. Because I see it happen in my life all the time. And I do believe that some people have blocks to what they want or what they deserve because of things that are put on them when they're younger. So some people have a non-deserving thing and we self-sabotage. That's my belief. It doesn't mean, I don't know that I'm right. I just see it play out in my life. And I, since I follow that, I have been able to change my life in certain ways by sort of rewiring that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I say. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. I don't I know do that too. it's true. I just don't hold it as true. I just hold it as reasonable. Like it's reasonable what you're saying. Right. I don't know if it's true. Right. But I, and I do apply very similar ta- uh, tactics. Like I, Therefore, mm-hmm. I'm in therapy. Like I'm trying to work on things because I suspect something's amiss. Totally. I, I, don't, I believe it, and too. And I want to be happy. Yeah, yeah. happier, yeah. right? I mean, listen, nobody gets to a point. I think a lot of people think like, and I'm sure you don't because you seem pretty smart. Like, that's, you know, you're not going to, it's not about sort of reaching a point in your life where you're happy every single day and you never have a problem or whatever. Like, you might as well just die at that point because I really believe life isn't, you know, it's about being all kinds of things and, that, you know, no one's happy all the time. Right. But, you know, you just want that kind of inner fulfillment of feeling like a whole person and, you know, so that you can be thrown and maybe not be happy and be okay with that. Right. That's like, a, to me, what like, it's like more like being at peace with yourself and being grounded. Right. Than just yeah. being oh, perpetually happy because that's not realistic. No, I'm not. Ever yeah. that, right. This might sound, I'm not from New York, but this might sound very New York. Yeah. I'm not even aiming for happiness. I'm aiming for, I'm aiming for right. not misery. Right. I'm miserable. Right. right. And so why are and you miserable? A day where I'm just like, Okay, but, warm every day like eh, that right. would be that I'm that's my ideal I just okay but why there. are you miserable um well so I'm, I've, I've been lonely my whole life I mm-hmm. I but there's a that's a that's a different show I don't no, I'm miserable. I, that's I don't a part of this here. show I hate okay. to say it this I don't want to be connected. here I've never wanted to be on this planet I don't want to be alive I no okay listen I, I believe don't. in spiritual stuff I think you said that and like I believe in souls 1000% I believe in souls make a decision to come here this is my belief and like probably Oprah would agree with me and some people wouldn't but some people would but what I really truly believe is we make a choice to come here we pick a lot of the big things in our life and then we go out then we're born and we take it on and being a human being is very fucking different I, I could feel myself sometimes from as a soul like I love life as a soul even as hard as it is but sometimes I could feel like holy shit this is like brutal right being alive is brutal it's very difficult it's fucking hard work but we all chose it 
we really did. And you did. That's what I believe. And I, you know, I, you could say whatever you want and you could not believe that right now, but okay. when you die, so you'll realize it's Let's the truth. say it like this. <laughs> the fact that it's a choice is not necessarily salvation. So I also believe it's a choice, mm-hmm. but I believe the choice, the other choice is, um, so let's, let's, talk a little metaphysics for a second. Totally. Um, I, I also believe it's a choice, but I don't believe it's a choice made out of joy. I think we are, we are in, we are trapped in a dimensional density and we will keep reincarnating until we can transcend it. Mm-hmm. And to not reincarnate, we, we don't have to reincarnate, but we will not leave that density, this dimensional density, unless we can transcend it in the physical where we originally got trapped. That's how I look at it. Maybe it's okay. Buddhist, it's Eastern, I don't know. No, it's different. So, Everyone looks yeah, at it it's a choice. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it's a choice doesn't make the good. It doesn't make it like, well, I chose it, therefore it must be doable. I think I chose it, therefore it sucks. I mean, therefore it, all, it could be awesome. Therefore, nothing. Either way, my perspective the whole time, which has been, I have to transcend it. That's what I'm aiming for. Not, but I don't. The fact that I may or may not have chose it in my belief system doesn't really provide any salvation for me. Okay, so maybe that's why you're miserable. Okay, so, but what, why, <laughs> you know, listen, I'll tell you what psychoanalysts call it, reframing. You need to fucking reframe those thoughts and like really those those kind of reframing things really. The way you think things and the way you frame things, it definitely creates how you feel, right? And reframing things changes how you feel. I would get Absolutely. why feeling that way would make you miserable. If feeling that way, if I felt that way, because I had a very difficult life. I was, shit that was put on me at a very young age was not good, okay? Okay. If I believed your belief, I would be the most miserable fucking person on the planet. I probably would have killed myself a long way. I thank God a long time ago. I thank God a lot for like my beliefs because like honestly, like I because it keeps me sort of happy, quote unquote, right? And sort of moving on and it helps me rise above the things that have happened and it helps me look at the parts of my life that were very challenging as challenges and I feel proud of myself that I got through it and I feel like a better person and I, because of the way I look at things it makes me more a happy person because of what I've been through than a miserable person right and it's strictly my belief and I believe like right maybe I'm fucking wrong but you know what at the end of my life I'm going to be like thank god I thought that even if I find out that it was all fucking crock of shit because well, it helped I me think what, stay sane you know what I mean mm-hmm. I mean I resonate with everything you're saying what you're also saying, if you accept that, is that beliefs are narrative. It's totally. just a narrative we've constructed, and some narratives make us feel better, and some don't. Right. And I would Absolutely. put forward that my narrative is, yeah, I could reframe it, but I actually am very comfortable with this narrative. Okay, but so, you're miserable. You use that word. Maybe you need to use yeah, a different word. Because miserable, how you're comfortable com- being miserable. Yes, comfort and miserable are not, they're not uh, mutually exclusive. I, you know, you've heard of people who like really like being miserable. Totally. Capricorn. I'm not saying I really like it, but yeah, but no, I'm Aquarius. I'm not saying I really like it, but I will say it's who I, who I've come to know and there are benefits to it. I mean, like it, for example, Mm -hmm. I'm a highly creative person and the the times in my life where I've been happy, I don't create crap. I can't write well. I'm just not, I'm not as interesting. I don't learn as effectively. I'm not as ambitious at work. Um, so there has been benefits to this and it also allows me to, I don't know, um, think divergent thoughts. I'm, I'm a very divergent thinker. I'm a paradoxical thinker. And all of that I would say is a result of being miserable. Right. But are um, you miserable? So, con- but okay. Miserable. Okay. So having like sort of 
like a diverse feeling, like an array of feelings is important, yes. And I think that everyone's life is going to be happy and sad at different times. And more creative people maybe could get stuck in misery longer because they're so sensitive, right? And so they pick up on things. So everything is so much more intense. And that is how where we get art from, right? The best songs, the best, you know, poems, poetry, or whatever, paintings, you know, it's all comes from that those people who could go to those places and sort of put that out there for us to all and then we could relate right and feel the same feeling and we could all attach to that so yeah there is something to it but when you make it like a blanket statement like you're like sort of miserable and lonely I think lonely isn't a good thing there's something about feeling miserable and feeling sort of really down in the dumps because you threw yourself in you know into a relationship and you fell totally in love with someone and then they broke your heart and then you get this great sort of creative thing out of that but feeling lonely and never having that experience is a different sort of a thing that i don't think is very healthy agreed no argument yeah only is why i'm wearing the show that's um there's loneliness. Lonely. We're not designed as a species to really cope well with loneliness. Really mm-hmm. Not. Mm-hmm. Right. So, no right. So you're lonely and that's really probably the thing that would be, you know, sort of connected to what we're talking about. All these sexual experiences, all these sort of first relationships you had with women, you know, and how they treated you um, and how you've never had many long-term relationships and you're not married yet and maybe there's a part of you that wants those things in your life do you want those things in your life oh i absolutely that's why i'm posting the ad i'm looking for connection i'm constantly um seeking it out um and i really do want it and i've had glimpses of relationships that were satisfying to me mm-hmm. and i love it i i just love it it mm-hmm. fits it fits my personality in other ways that it fits it like a glove because i'm very routine oriented um, while also being a nut and creative and eccentric, I actually am very disciplined and very organized and I, I'm a routine guy and I think that really works well for a relationship. I don't need a lot. I don't need to go out a lot. I live, I live, I do my chores. Like have, I have a lot of these qualities which I think are conducive to sharing life with somebody. Right. That's what I want. That's so, what I want. Okay, so are you in therapy trying to sort of work on why you don't like, how? it's been since 35 that you sort of like, figured out that maybe you want a more long-term relationships from the time you're 35 to now that you're 44. Like what has been your longest relationship or experiences with women? Six months. Okay. And what happened with that relationship? By the way, I did hear that slight little giggle. Just, I didn't giggle at all. No way. You I, you please. Okay. I could, I've had three months. I mean, you know, when you get, listen, I when was, you get older, six months is a long time. Six months is like a two year relationship yeah. when you're 22. Okay. Most relationships so, when you're older last three months, you know, somebody two to three months, you know, like get the fuck out, you know, cause you're smarter yeah, and I, you've been around the block. In each six months. And in each case I was over it in like four weeks. I knew. Right. So you just, just lingered. Right. Cause I you do know just, more just, when you're just, older. Yeah, I did. Well, I even knew that when I was younger. Six months is almost like probably the longest all my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's in any at any age group. And I always know. I know within a few weeks, but I stay in it because I want to make sure I'm doing my due diligence. Like, am I missing something? Is there a growth opportunity here? You know, maybe maybe I could give more than I receive. Who knows? I try all kinds of different things out, and then I'm like, okay, time to get. I can't do this anymore. It's fake, so I leave. Right. And so you split and then that's the deal. And now are you in therapy because you feel like you want your relationships to be better? Like what would what made you go to therapy? Um, I'm in therapy. I think so the relationship, my relationship desires, which I would accept your your um, 
characterization. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one dimension of why I went to therapy. It's because if you were to take that dimension, relationship, my frustration with trying to be loved and loving mm-hmm. uh, with somebody I can resonate with, it's like that with me in every other part of life, too. Um, every at My personal life, outside of career, I have nothing. Like I, The only thing working well for me in my life is my career. Oh, uh, see, and no, and, right. And just, of course, and that's never going to, I mean, listen, people say this all the time, and it's very true, and I remember learning this in psychology, that like happiness only goes up and down like the actual feeling of happiness could only be sort of affected by the quantity and quality of your relationships they've done studies where certain after a certain amount of money like money doesn't do it nothing does it the only thing that actually will change your sort of feelings of happiness and make you feel more fulfilled are the quantity and quality of your relationships and a lot of people most of the time if you really think about the people in your life who are the most miserable it's the people who have the least amount of friends and don't sort of interact with people on a certain level you know and I think when you get older you know friends you know you've been doing your friends thing your whole fucking life I mean that's why I had a baby I had a baby recently I have a newborn right now and it was like very much because by the time I turned 40 as a woman and I still hadn't had a relationship I had a baby on my own um, I felt like something I wanted more out of my life But I got to tell you, it was fucking brutal doing that because I had to change that story. So it's very, very hard, but I do believe it can be changed and it should be changed because, you know, I don't think it's right that uh, that you're not meant to have things that you should. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I don't know that I, I don't disagree. I don't know that it's necessarily, it's a belief. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, if you want to talk metaphysics again, who knows? The, the, maybe the life you chose is one where you're going to struggle with having and giving and deserving. And maybe you chose, um, for example, let's say, let's take the choice premise. You chose to come into this world with no arms and no legs and you're blind. And you felt, you know, you, you could teach yourself a lesson. I believe if you have issues and problems, you're meant to work on them. And I do believe if you're lonely, you know, you should work on that. You know, I think that there's something about people who feel lonely. It's kind of like um, something that you could work on with yourself first, right? It's It may not even be that somebody else could come in and give you that. I don't know. Or maybe you're just bored of yourself, which I totally understand, right? Like maybe no, actually, yeah. For me, uh, being alone is an addiction. I love being alone. Right. I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. and I, it's it's a growth opportunity. Why I really want a relationship. Right. To be with other people. I, right. So so it's, it's not, not really lonely. Right. That's what I. That's what I was trying yeah, to say. Yeah, but like, I do get lonely in a different way. It's not like, oh, I wish I would hang out with somebody. It's I'm lonely for some of the things like you described that other people have, and I see it. Not that I want what they have because they all look miserable to me in their relationships, but I want my version of that because I believe I am capable of a more enlightened relationship that is nice and 
So I'm yeah, lonely for exist. a future that I see. I'm sorry. I yeah, have friends but, that have really great relationships. Those exist. And I believe like when you, you know, so you could have a, yeah, that evolved. Yeah, I believe that you have friends like that. I don't. No? But I believe they're out there. No, I mean, but I believe you. I know. Mm-hmm. I believe lots of people are capable of it. I've not seen it. Yeah, it's not um, the it's not the it. typical relationship. It's not that ninety percent of people out there, but ten percent of people have a relationship where it doesn't. It's not like they're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. They're just like really good friends, and they really like each other, and they're like a good team, you know. And I see that a lot, and I, you know, and the, but I think that listen, we the other relationships that are very difficult, we learn from those too. I feel like sometimes my listeners who are like listening with hard-ons to your stories in the beginning and then they're like fuck you Kathy because I take it on such a different level (laughs) do you know what I mean like I could still be asking you about all the things you put in your ass and how many guys you fucked and like here we are talking about all this psychology stuff and sometimes I think like I don't know if that makes for a bad podcast but I get interested in all these other things and I know that you are one of the people who wrote me and was like I don't think that I'm that interesting is or you the one that said that to me in the email uh, I don't know. I don't remember what I said. I don't um, think I could fill up an hour's worth of conversation. Wasn't that you? No, no, that was not me. Oh, okay. No, I, I was going to be like, are you kidding me? I could have five hours of conversation. No, Do you understand? We haven't even started. Exactly. That's how I feel. I know. I'm if like, I started asking the questions, the dialogue would be taken. We'd go very heavy. No, no, no. There's no, as, there's no you asking any questions. Don't it's, worry. It's me asking <laughs> you the questions. But I feel like I have a million more questions. I'm going to go a little longer on this podcast if it's okay with you. Like a little bit more questions about your sexuality because that's what we started with, right? Now, I don't know. If you know for a fact when you were younger, you had like all that ass play. And when you were 30, let's get to when you had lost your virginity with guys. What happened at 30? Uh, I lost my virginity to a guy around 36, 37. Right. And how did you um, meet that guy? I finally, at that age, decided, Craigslist, at that age, decided that whatever barriers were holding me back from trying to have sex with a guy. And at that time, the barriers were like, I thought, oh, maybe it's just a fetish. It's just a thing. It's not going to really lead you anywhere you want in life. And finally, I was like, who cares? Even if it leads me nowhere, I want to do it. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of abandoned the dial the dialogue that was keeping me out of it. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And it was the first person actually was a transsexual uh, with a fully functional cock. But I wanted and tits that was the, and look like a girl. She oh yeah she was definitely a female in appearance. Totally. But I wanted that because I thought it was safer mm-hmm. um, for me emotionally. Yeah. I had been with girls who used strap-ons and such, and that was fine. I, I love that. That's great. But um. I wanted I wanted to know is there something is there something that's going to click inside me when I have the real thing biologically, mm-hmm. and it, it wasn't that anything clicked, but it was substantially better. It was it was a because I knew she or he was getting physical pleasure from the act as well. Mm-hmm. So it, totally. it was much more of a reciprocation, and I loved it. And then it was like six months later, I was like, all right, I'm going to try a guy, and then I did. Right, and and it was great. It the guy too, or was it like any different because it was a guy? It was, there was that awkwardness because I'm, I don't, yeah, it was a little awkward, but the physical part, I loved it. I like, I like the physical part. Um, I like being the recipient. I like being in that position. You like the you're bottom, vulnerable. your bottom. Yeah. 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 Right. I, I've tried the other. It doesn't work for me, but it's all about, it's the, this is a part of me, perhaps there's a term people are throwing around a lot now, gender fluidity, but I really like being in, it's not just about power or submissive. It's being, when you're being penetrated, you're the recipient of the energy mm-hmm. and you're, 
you're controlling the flow in a very different way. It's not like you're giving up your power, but I love that. I like where my body is the vessel, where right. somebody is is really getting off inside me. It's a very it's a very incredible feeling. Right. And how many guys like have you been with a lot of guys? Like after once you sort of opened up that yourself to that sort of thing, were you like totally crazy for dudes and like fucking a million guys or like was how many have you had a lot of experience with men? Since? Yeah, but not totally crazy. Always safe. I mean, like I, I still have even drunk. I would still apply certain filters of like, all right, mm-hmm. you, we're wearing a condom, um, and you sound sketchy. You can't write in a complete sentence. We're not doing this, right? And you, if you've spent any time on Craigslist, you might know one of the differentiators of of danger and non is people's ability to use grammar effectively. <laughs> so <laughs> right. that's my filter. If somebody can't write, and guys are notorious for like, dude, sup? Let's do it. Right. And I don't, you know, like, okay, dumbass, let's, let's create a sentence together. Mm-hmm. So if somebody can write or articulate themselves intelligently, yeah, there's going to, and, and there's a body, certain body type I like, yeah, we, we go and do it. And I've probably at this point been with 30 guys over 10 years, 15, right. 11 years. And now when you're in a relationship with a woman, like, do you miss guys or do you feel like an inclination to sort of want to go and be with a guy or like, are you cool? I do. Yeah. Once I'm frustrated, it's it's a, once the point where I know the relationship's over, I start craving uh, a male or a dominant female, but or or both. I start craving like I want to go get you know whipped and dominated by a woman, or I want to be dominated by a man. It, does that happen way. naturally while you're still in the relationship, or that happens right after the relationship ends? Oh, in in. I've never cheated though. I I always wait, get out, and then I go pursue what I want. Right. Yeah, you need to have a relationship with a girl that's going to go to those places with you when you start to get bored because that's sort of what you like sexually. You got it. And there are people, I mean, listen to my podcast, there are people out there that have exactly what you're looking for. It exists. It does. Women that they can have a swinger relationship with. Yeah. I'm not looking for, I'm not looking to be able to be in a relationship and fuck 20 people at the same time. I don't need that. I just want a woman who's going to be able to go to those places with me and I'll go on her journey. But I think typically it's, well, it may it may be a little one sided because I'm probably going to be creating that you know wacky journey of left and right. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, you got it. No, I had a guy on here who a lot. I've had multiple men on here who are into um, sleeping with guys and sleeping with women, um, and they're very monogamous. Like they're not cheaters, like you would think, and they're yep. not like all up. But they have that desire to be with both, and they have women that allow them, and they've had relationships where that totally works, and they have real great relationships with women so it's definitely possible for sure i forget the yeah, episodes you, know, uh, you should listen I, to them they're really great i think part of it is geography i don't i've never lived in an awesome place where that they, they, i think you have to Let be me kind tell of like you. New York okay okay right, i'm not gonna Northwest. out you i see where you're calling me from okay and it doesn't even matter, okay, where you're calling me from. And it's not Florida because of all the freaks live in Florida. But, like, you live in a freaky place. Okay, uh, no different than New York. Well, but let me tell you, I get calls no, from all over. No, that's not correct. You are wrong. Okay, okay, it fine. It doesn't. That's fine. You, but, right. Your pool? Oh, wait, wait, wait. I've let you turn. I'm kidding. It's your show. I love your show. No, no, no. Your pool of yeah. applicants yeah. is 1,000 times the size of my pool. And that makes a difference. Totally, yeah. When I go on Craigslist, I see the the massive difference in where the ads are posted. Absolutely. But what I was getting, what my point is that like I get calls from all kinds of freaky people that are into all kinds of different things, and these people live in all kinds of places. Do you understand? Yeah. A lot of them. What happens is I'll post on New York or like a bigger city, and I get people who are like ten states away, and they tell me that they found me because they were on New York looking because that's where they get more ads, but they live in yeah, Nebraska. I've done that. 
You know what I mean? They're in yeah. fucking Nebraska, and they have their they have freak flags that you wouldn't believe. So I believe that there's people that are into all kinds of things in all different places. They might not be advertising it, and is harder that way, absolutely. But I do believe that they exist. I do believe one hundred percent that if you decide, I want that's fucking not a debate, right? That. Uh, right. I don't think we're in agreement on that. Yeah. Okay, cool. There's so no you debate. could find a woman that is able. Because what you're looking for, and to correct me if I'm wrong, and I know that you will, that you're looking for a woman, <laughs> right, that you could fall in love with and have a very monogamous relationship with who's a dominatrix who will also let you fuck a guy every now and then. Um, you, I wouldn't... Or, yeah, you're right. I will correct you. Almost, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I want her to be a part-time dominatrix in the bedroom when we, when we have that need, I want that to be on. Yes. Right. You want her to it's be able to go interest. there. Yeah. But I also want to say, it's you know, in response to a word you used before, it's not because I'm into that. Mm-hmm. It's because at, at this point, whether it's who I am or not, it may as well be my identity because it is, it's not a fetish. It's not like, oh yeah, I get off, you know, with, when a girl spits gum in my face. It's not that. It's, this is a, it's part of my identity at this point and I cannot find a way to connect the right emotional fabric to my sexual experience if those things aren't involved. Yeah, and that's fine. Yeah, and that's cool. And there's plenty of women, especially Shades of Grey, made a lot of women sort of come, I think, make them felt, like, feel, like, sort of better about themselves. They came to the wrong side. I know. They all wanted to be submissive and be, like, have roses thrown at them while they're tied up. Oh, yeah, I forgot. You want the opposite, right? You want the guy with the girl, right? right? that book that book did a disservice to me because it flooded, it flooded the kink community with all these women who just want to be swept off their feet by billionaires. Right. That, that didn't help. I got to tell you. Right. Okay. Forget about that one. <laughs> <laughs> forget about that. You're right. Right. That was yeah. a fucking Venus bad and furs. Yeah. You need to read Venus and furs. There's been books out there that have, have uh, popularized the alternative, um, but they're nothing recent and nothing popular today. But Victorian literature had a few. There's a few out there. Right. But I do believe that there is, and I do believe that the dominant woman who has that sort of inclination to be that way is the same kind of girl that would probably be open to watching you get fucked in the ass by another guy. Do you understand? Like, yeah, I think yeah. that that oh, totally know. goes with that personality. So I think I'm, you're, that's like, that's where you're lucky. Like that's the same girl. It is. It is. It does go together. And I have met some. And um, I think that they're probably more disciplined like you are because you're into discipline. Their whole life is about that. Like I, I, I and I think a lot of what I've heard from some guys who are the dominance that they're very um, sort of like, it's like sort of opposite. Like a lot of times people who are very passive in their life want to be dominant in their sex life and vice versa, right? Because I know that you said you don't want someone that's very dominant in real life in the relationship, right? You don't want, right? I want equality in the relationship. I want, yeah, it's balanced for me. Right, totally. But you want someone that could come off and do that. So I think that, you know, you could find, I just think that that person exists, for you, for it sure. Does. There's never been a debate about that I, from the beginning. That's why I'm posting ads, not because I don't think it exists. I know it exists. Right, but you're not going to find that person on Craigslist. You're not going to find well, that on Craigslist. We, I do believe that's where yeah. we. That's where we should have spent the show. There's not a lot of girls on Craigslist. Okay, 
dominatrix looking for a guy to do that. Wait, wait, stop using that term dominatrix. Okay. Let's say open-minded women who are evolved in the way I'm evolved. Right, <laughs> right. Listen, I, I'm super evolved, but I don't want to do that with a guy. Like, I don't think that like being evolved means that you're into different things sexually. Like, but you know, everyone that. has different inclinations. in the way right, right, I'm evolved. Right, right, right. But I do believe, though, that um, you could meet a girl at on OkCupid, I swear to you. Like, I think you should just be dating in the regular pool of people. I am. Oh, that's good. I do. I, yeah, I it doesn't produce anything. But I've been on OkCupid for a while. So, you know, when they when they send you, like, I don't know if you ever used it. I did. Every once in a while, they, they release some data that says, like, where are the people in the country that you should be, like, are most compatible with you after you do, like, a thousand questions or whatever? Mm-hmm. And it always tells me the same places. It's New York, Seattle, and Portland. So it always oh, tells me, like, that my, they, my baby they, was born in Portland. I know all about Portland. Well, it shows me the map, and I can see it. And when I look at my own area, it's, like, dead zone for me. Did you so, ever think, let um, me ask you this, did you ever think about possibly moving from where you are? Yeah. Oh, I and I probably will relocate to Seattle within the next two years, or Portland. Um, not New York. I can't handle the density, but yeah. Yeah, Portland's great. Portland's a weird place, and it's like I really feel like there's a lot of lazy people there. So if you like, you know, you're not lazy, you could rule the plant. I mean, you could run for mayor, and you'll be hired. Like, I mean, it's a pretty easy place to excel because people are very. It's like a weird kind of place, but it's really beautiful and it's kind of interesting. It's it's got a weird vibe, though. I have to tell you, as far as sexuality is concerned, but I think there's a lot of freaks there. And they, but they don't wear it on their sleeve. But I think that you will find a more higher concentration of people that maybe are looking for like what you're looking for there, or like in a bigger city, absolutely. So I think that it's great that you're look thinking about relocating. You know, within the next two years, your job will allow for that. Yeah, I, I can kind of go ever anywhere I want. Um, just not today, but I can soon. So all the women you meet are vanilla, and you dated a lot. I think you just have to keep trying. I think it is really hard to find that right person it doesn't just happen a lot of times with the you know with the first person you date but if you keep at it and you keep in therapy and you keep that intention of that's exactly what you fucking want and you won't take anything other than that you'll get it that's I do believe that I seriously do I think there's a lot of people I look at my friends that are dating a lot and saying they really want a relationship but I could clearly see that they have walls up and they're really not ready for it even though they think that they are on some level they're sort of closed off I do believe on when you're completely open and completely ready and 100, and if you're a person like you who's very self-aware, it would take for every part of your being to be 100% convinced that that's exactly what you want. And when that happens, you will get it. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, I, I, I accept your characterization of me, but I reject that that's what it would take. I, it, okay. It, then that's, it, that's not realistic. I mean, okay. there's always going to be... Even in you, in all the places we you've healed in your life. Now tell me, was it 100% clearance? There have been times in my life where I 100% knew who I wanted, what I wanted. And when I knew with clarity and there was not a doubt in my mind and there was nothing about me that was saying, oh, but maybe that can't happen. I absolutely got it. And I believe that 100%. Yet it's very hard to do. Yeah, but you're talking about that one dimension of your life. And I'm saying, and, and, and for me, maybe, maybe even if I clear and I want it with all my being that a resonant, healthy relationship, it's just not in the cards. No, maybe it's in the cards. I didn't choose it. No, it's in the cards. You don't, but you're... Right, but you thinking that you... But believing that you... It, it Believing that on some level it might not be possible right there just goes against 
Well, that, that, that's a very that, new age notion. Right, and would you, go against attracting that to you. I mean, come yeah, on. Why? You're, but, you, but, but, to think minute, that but, you're that special or that unique or that different, that in all of your life, I mean, so many people attract relationships into their life. There's no reason why you can't. It's almost egotistical if you think about it, to think that like it's just no, not meant to I'm be. Everybody has relationships. That's not what right. I'm saying. I'm saying it's not meant to be. Your, your, your criteria is outlandish in a way because you're <laughs> saying if I'm not getting what I want, you're, you applied. Let's go back like five minutes. You said it has to be 100% in your whole being. And if there's one little moment of blah, 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 it's not going to happen. And I'm saying <laughs> blah, blah, that's blah. a dangerous statement to make because you, people, you could be 80% and get what you want. You don't have to be 100%. And if you make that your... There are some parts of your life, yes, I agree, that things are easier to attract to than not. But when you have a thing with relationships, I believe, and I've seen this with people, that if you don't have one and you really want one, there's probably some sort of blockage. But if you really want it and you're really ready for it, I do believe the right person comes back. I believe that there is somebody for everybody. I believe that (laughs) it's very easy for people to meet people who are compatible with you. It's just a matter of timing and a matter of wanting it and a matter of being ready for it in your life. That's what I believe. I don't disagree, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to, let's switch dimensions for a second. Mm -hmm. I used to be broke all the time. And I did all kinds of like meditations and work on like, what's my relationship to money? And I, I just did all these things. I could never find a good job. And then one day when I was 34, and I, I would say nothing. I didn't change my belief about money. All of a sudden, I got a job offer that was pretty good. And then it led to something else and led to something else. Suddenly, that part of my life worked. But my philosophy hasn't really changed. And it's, I'm not saying I'm right in that. I'm not, this isn't evidence of anything other than I'm not sure that you have to be 100% clear before the door just opens. I think sometimes right. it You're just right. opens. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe uh, for me, because I'm so self-aware and because I'm so <laughs> looking at myself in the mirror, I don't mean that as a bragging thing. I mean, it, like, it's just because I'm always like analyzing shit and that's like what I'm into. And it's like my self-helpy shit is like my sort of hobby. It, that's what I yeah. mean, you know, because I'm so in tune with how I feel and clear about what I want at all times. That's what it takes for me. And I believe that you're very similar in that because you seem super introspective. And I just think that people that are that way, you it, it does go against you if you have any part of yourself that has any kind of doubt. Whereas I think people that are the opposite who aren't sort of self-aware and they're not paying attention, shit just happens to them. Like people say, oh, you meet someone when you least expect it, right? Because they don't even know what it, they want or what they don't want because they're not paying attention to it. And it just happens at a different time. But because I pay hyper attention to my shit, it has, it's been like two plus two equals four. When I want it, I find it. When I don't, and there's some part of me that kind of doesn't want it, I, I don't. And that's just the way that it goes. I'm, I don't disagree. I think that's a beautiful sentiment. And I'm going to add something to it that you might like. Sure. I think there's something to the notion of surrender when mm-hmm. you, when you can't, because, and this is what I feel like. I'm not saying it's not missing in your philosophy, but mm-hmm. I'm not hearing you say it though. I believe you probably believe it too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I keep resisting when you're talking. It's, mm-hmm. I think you hit, we hit moments in our life where we're like, you know what? I don't know the answer. I don't have the solution. I can't figure it out. I probably have blocks at some level and I can't get rid of them. And I'm not saying I quit, but I'm saying, I think, I just have to surrender and stop resisting, stop fighting the battles internally and let something else happen. And well, I totally. Think mm-hmm. There's a, a moment of magic where you don't, you stop controlling it. 
Right, because listen, and trying, like I always say, like people say like I'm trying to do something, like it's such a negative word. Like when people, like I yeah. quit smoking a long time ago and people would say like, what if you can't? And I'd be like, what does that even mean? I could, I, if I want to quit smoking, I will. It, does, it might be really, 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 really hard, but if I want to do it, I'll do it. I, there's no trying. I'm not going to try to, you know, people will be like, I'm going to try to quit smoking in September. It's like, what do you mean try? You're either going to quit or you're not. The trying is bullshit. So when you are trying for something that is this sort of negative kind of a thing, right? So yes, there is that magical moment when you stop trying and you just sort of know and maybe you're not putting out that negative stuff and so you attract it. So it still is that power of positive thinking. Or yes, maybe you I are don't putting believe in negative that. stuff out and it just stops mattering. Right, maybe. You, who knows? Right, but not, yeah, if you believe that your negative stuff doesn't matter, then it won't. It's all that crazy. Listen, I think the secret was bullshit too. I think people that think <laughs> that, in a way, I agree with you. I believe that some people that think, oh, it's just so easy. I just think positive and everything comes to me because some people are meant to be broke their whole life because they have to be poor and that's what they're learning from that. You know what I mean? Not everyone could have every single thing. It's not their life path, right? But I think that if you have a serious urge in you, and that is bringing you to therapy and you want, you know, and then, then that's for a reason. And, you know, you wouldn't be, if you were just meant to be single your whole life and that's just your thing, you know, you wouldn't be thinking about it. You wouldn't be sort of lonely, quote unquote, right? You wouldn't be trying to have a relationship. You wouldn't be I, I don't know that that's true. I think that's a reasonable thing you're saying. I, okay, I, I'll I, take I reasonable. That same thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's reasonable. I happen to believe that. I think I wouldn't be in so much resistance to my reality if it was what I was destined for. Mm-hmm. So that's, that goes along with your, the philosophy you just outlined. Um, it's reasonable. I hope it's true. I don't know. Yeah, see, that's where, like, w- when you say things like, I hope it's true, that's such a passive sort of, and when you said something very early on when you're like, uh, you know, I, I sort of gave up, I don't really believe, you know, like, those are like um, sort of a passive sort of stance on how your life goes. I do believe you're in more control than that. You know? We could be. <laughs> but see, like that's my, where but, we could be. Look, Maybe. It sounds right, right. I'll tell you why. Okay. Whenever you make a universal where you say, which, like it or not, you do speak in some universals. And that's what I keep resisting to. And I'm like, it may be true. I don't know. And you're like, oh, it sounds passive. I'm like, well, you hold up that universal. Every time I've done that in my life, it's crumbled in front of me. So I don't do it anymore. I'm like, okay, I don't know the answers. I don't have the system. But mm-hmm. I will apply various systems and I will try them out. If they work, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and if they don't, that's okay too because I wasn't that committed to them anyway. Right. That's all I'm going to say and we're going to end this on this. And then we're going to have a part two and a part three with you because there's like a thousand other things I would talk to you about. I just don't like my podcast to be longer than a, an hour. This is longer at an hour and 20 but it's okay. I wanted to go longer. The last thing I'm going to say is like what I believe then is what I also believe in is like when you want something and you know you want it and you never get deterred. So you just keep dating vanilla girls until you meet someone who's chocolate or whatever the fucking flavor you're looking for <laughs> because that person exists and I believe it, you know, but we have to have a part two because I'd love to talk more about like your sexual stuff because I feel like, you know, you had that ad on there that was like, I don't know whether I'm bi or straight or gay or whatever. And this turned into a podcast about all kinds of other things, which is fine. This is why I like to do my podcast this way because you know, I've n- I haven't had any other podcast that was about this topic, but I know my listeners would like to hear about all your other sexual things. So, you know, maybe we'll have you back on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Don't sound so depressed. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. Could you repeat that? No, I said, don't sound so depressed. You're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm not depressed. I, 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 uh, I hear you rapping, so I don't want to like make an obstacle and start a new topic because I usually could. So. Yeah, no, we, yeah, I got to rap because like I said, I don't like my podcast, but I always have repeat callers on. Um, you know, I'd love to have you back on because I feel like there's so many things that we didn't talk about and we could, I could get some really great, um, episodes from you. Like I said, there's stuff that I didn't cover here, which was the initial thing. You talked a lot about peeing on people. Like I want to go into that, but like I said, I, I don't want to keep going with this one, but I'd love to have you back on. Okay. And do a part two. Thanks so much for calling in. Lance, right? That's what we called you. I forgot. Yeah, we did. We All right, Lance. Thank this you. is just the tip of the iceberg. This is just part one of Lance. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks for calling in. Bye. Bye. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone? To anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous.